The Blockbusters Podcast is a proud member of the Pod Bros Network, where you can find us as well as other excellent podcasts such as Sarcasm City, Worst Millennials, and Late Night Gamers at podbros.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Blockbusters Podcast. Tonight's story is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here, this is the war room. Now, where was I? Welcome to episode 118 of the Blokebusters podcast. I am Paul, and today I am joined by Paul, as in Paul Preston from themovieguys.net. How you doing, sir? Hello from the West Coast. How are you? <laughs> I, I'm doing quite well at the moment. Uh, uh, well, we're on fire. Uh, so, but <laughs> yeah, never mind that. Let's talk movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You need something to take your mind off it, so may as well talk about uh, El Camino for a little bit. Uh, yes. Um, th- thank you for. Yeah, people are staying home because of fire. So here's something for you to watch while you're staying in your house. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, yeah, rather than actually trying to get away from the fire, you can stay inside and watch a film about someone trying to get away. So, yeah, <laughs> really, really live the dream there. Uh, but yes, uh, so first and foremost, just I'll uh, get our nuts and bolts out of the way really quick and so we can dive straight in. So if you want to get a hold of us about absolutely anything, we are blokebusters found pretty much anywhere you can find things facebook twitter instagram we are blokebusters you can go to blokebusters.com if you wish i am terrible at keeping that up to date because i have a three-year-old daughter and no time so um sorry but uh, it is very nice there it looks lovely i'm kind of proud of it so uh, hopefully by the time you hear this it will be up to date and uh, you can email us at blo- the blokes at blokebusters.com because hey we like talking to you. We like hearing from you. Just uh, get a hold of us if there's anything you want to say at all. We are so bored. We need stuff to talk about. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no slam on Ohio, but uh, no, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> Fascinating place, full of interesting yes. people. <laughs> yes, very flat, very flat here. Other than that, we're fine. Uh, so, so yes. As I said, we will be talking about El Camino, and this is the point where I would normally go into the nuts and bolts of the film. Uh, the problem with that is, obviously, it is a Netflix film, so I can tell you that it was directed by Vince Gilligan. Um, that's about it, because the budget... We only know that the budget is more than $6 million because there was an article that was written for The Hollywood Reporter that stated that it was more than the budget for the highest budgeted episode of Breaking Bad, which was $6 million. <laughs> so that that's all we have to go on because Netflix is very, very secretive about these sorts of things. And obviously there is neck to no box office because it was only a limited theatrical release. So there we go. Uh, and 
Yeah, they could. They could take a more. We should uh, actually be thankful for the way they're operating because they could take a more Donald Trump approach to this and just say all our movies make four hundred million dollars a piece. You know, they could just lie, uh, you know, insanely to us about all this uh, the nuts and bolts you're talking about. Uh, but they don't. I think the only time they ever coughed up numbers was for Bird Box, right? When they said that made like thirty three million. I I think like it's, it's been its first weekend viewer wise. Yeah. It, uh, there have been a few that they've mentioned, especially <sighs> the Adam Sandler films that are on Netflix. Because, um, you know, they made a four-movie deal with him, and then they made them, and then they decided to release them, and now they're going to make more. Yay. <laughs> but uh, I read an article I... <laughs> somewhere that said that he's continuing the DGAF phase of his career. <laughs> and it's uh, and it makes and they said and why not and I guess I guess it makes sense right if you just you I could did. make a big comedy that everybody ridicules and you know might bomb but why not do that you know tucked away in the safety of Netflix where it won't be such a national story if it's going to be crap you know and if it's great then it rises to the surface where no one thought anything of it in the first place you know. Yeah. So I suppose it's probably a good idea for him. Yeah, I mean, it, like if it if he genuinely cared about what the audience thought of him, he would exclusively star in films that he did not write or direct. Because every time he is not the writer and or director of it, he is fantastic. And every time he has written it, it is awful. So and I will back up your point by saying I saw an, an early version or, or not a version but a, a, in the final version but an early screening of Uncut Gems the new film he just made with the Safdie brothers who made Good Time uh, yes. and it is outstanding so it's <laughs> really good and he is really good in it it is a hard drama you know just a foul mouthed uh, a seedy underbelly New York story about a like a, a sort of huckster jeweler kind of guy who is also a gambler and just everything takes a downward spiral over the course of a couple of weeks in this in this movie i think it's a couple of weeks might even be faster than that where it happens but um the safety brothers are the true uh geniuses behind that movie and not only in creating just a really good film but then soaking another fantastic performance out of sandler like along the lines of what you saw with um the meyerowitz stories or, oh, yeah. or punch drunk his dramatic turns have been quite good. Yeah, it's, it, it's actually kind of funny. I know we're getting off topic here, but it's, it's actually kind of funny yeah, how all of these comedic actors that stray into the the drama roles, and they do phenomenally. Steve Carell, for instance, and, you know, he, yeah. and Will Ferrell. I, I'm perfectly willing to stand here and say I hate pretty much every Will Ferrell comedy, with the exception of... Uh, Stranger Than Fiction, and yet I love seeing him in the serious stuff because I think he, he's just so good at it. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, I apologize well, come on, you to love everyone. It. You got to love Elf, right? N- no. Nope, sorry. No! <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I, I wish I did. It would make my life easier since Elf is one of my wife's favorite films of all time. But, uh Nope. <laughs> well, to your so. point, uh, this uh, uncut gems will be theatrically released, and it's really good. Okay. As I'll, opposed I'll... to its Netflix films, which you'll have to tell me about because I haven't seen it. D- don't. 
just just don't except Meyerwood's story yes yes definitely again the ones that Adam Sandler specifically has made himself just don't even scroll over them go down to the next category and then just keep going (laughs) yeah Uh, but yes uh, anyway El Camino (laughs) the reason we're here Uh, so I think it is safe to say right now spoilers spoilers for this film because well we can't talk about it without spoiling it so yeah (laughs) i i guess the important thing to start off with then is clearly you've watched this and i assume you watched this because you were a fan of breaking bad so uh what were your thoughts on breaking bad before watching this film well breaking bad was uh excellent and and Follows the uh, line of a film I wa- or TV show I watched before that called The Shield, which I also thought was excellent, where both main characters just dig themselves a hole and spend the show having to get out of it. Ozark is doing that same thing right now. And if you can be sublime with the writing enough to pull that off, where it's uh, still captivating and you know and dark and interesting, uh, you know that's that's great. And both all three of those shows I think are, are doing that. It's sometimes tough to pile on such stakes and pull it off, but um, Breaking Bad does. And I don't know if you're watching Better Call Saul, but that is currently the best show on television. This Vince Gilligan is no joke, as we all know from now. Uh, Clearly now it's it's been made clear that he's just a maverick on television, and um, (laughs) that carries through to to the film, I think, to to El Camino. Breaking Bad was... Just watch a highlight reel of Breaking Bad, and you'll be like, "Oh my god, I have to watch every one of these seasons again right away." <laughs> it's such good casting, too. I mean, uh, yeah, just outstanding film, and it made me excited that we get to see. I didn't know I wanted to see what happened to Jesse Pinkman until I did, <laughs> and then I was so glad I tuned in to find out. Yeah, I mean, I I remember watching Breaking Bad. I started watching it when it was airing its fourth season because uh, I think it landed on Netflix so I, I watched it and then by the time the fifth, the end of the fifth season was airing I caught up to where it was on Netflix and then it all landed and I think I finished the last half of that season in like a week and it was just one of those shows that I was totally sucked into and I I thought it was a great ending, like one of the best endings to a TV show I'd seen. And that's surprising to me. I mean, there are so many shows that are great, but how do you end it? And the show kind of ended in a way that felt very natural to me. Like There was nothing that I felt was left unsaid. And then this film came out, and I will say, as a result of watching El Camino, I am now on season two, episode two of my rewatch of Breaking Bad. (laughs) (laughs) Have you gone on to Better Call Saul? Uh, I have seen the first season of Better Call Saul. Uh, It's one of those things where um, I watched the first season, the second season landed on Netflix, but I was in the middle of watching something else, and I just haven't jumped back into it because... Um, like we we have certain things that we watch together and we were watching Medical Soul together uh, myself and my wife and uh, we reached a point where we can't watch it when our daughter's around 
And when our daughter's asleep, my wife is about to fall asleep. So <laughs> we have very little time to actually watch the things that we're watching together. So that one kind of fell to the wayside. But what I think is going to happen is one of these days, we're just going to spend a weekend or several and just kind of binge it all. Because, uh, yeah, I remember that first season being not not necessarily as good as Breaking Bad, but like 95% of as good as Breaking Bad, which is still way better than anything else that's out right now. Yeah, uh, I would suggest a return. Uh, <laughs> and you'll see more, of course you got Saul and Mike, and yeah. in the first season you saw Tuco as well. I mean, oh, uh, yeah. other characters show up too, which are, you know, to find out their origins and how they come into the whole storyline. Right. But um, it's it's... Whereas Breaking Bad was a fantastic crime story, uh, Saul's a, a fantastic drama. You know, it's got its crazy moments. Like the Salt and Manco brothers are just insane, you know, and there's cr- plenty of crazy stuff going on. And the stakes are high again as ever. But, um, yeah, that Vince Gilligan, he's just <laughs> – again, I use the word sublime and I, I, I fall back on it. He's quite something. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he is. He is that. I mean, who knew? Because he used to do uh, X Files episodes back. I remember his name being on that show years ago. And who knew he had all this in him? You know, and I'm glad he uh, got to stretch out and do his own thing. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things where you know Breaking Bad came out, and at the time, everyone was just like you know, created by who? Who? Who made it? Oh, okay, sure. And now I think. Gilligan could probably walk into any studio and say, I want to, and they say, here's the money. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. Go for it. Uh. For all our sakes, I should hope so. <laughs> but he's also wisely not oversaturated. You know, he doesn't, like, produce a lot of stuff. He doesn't, uh, you know, control. Yeah. And he just finds, I mean, even Better Call Saul, I, I got to interview Giancarlo Esposito earlier this year and. We were talking about another short film that he had made, or not a short film, but an indie film he had made, and got talking about Better Call Saul, and he said, yeah, you know, well, uh, we're excited to come back in 2020, and I'm like, 2020? (laughs) And I get all upset until I realized El Camino came out, I'm like, well, that's what they're doing, that's what's splitting Vince's time, and I'll take this movie, you know, if if it means, if I gotta wait till 2020 for Better Call Saul's return, I'll take uh, El Camino in the meantime. Oh yeah, and spoiler, Gus shows up in Better Call Saul, so you want to keep watching. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I remember reading, uh, I believe it was an interview with Aaron Paul when they were basically announcing this film. And he was saying that by the time anyone had even considered the possibility that there was going to be a film, they had finished filming it. <laughs> so, so it was like, and I think it was... Um, uh, uh, the, the name of the actors gave me, but you know, Saul from Better Call Saul <laughs> and Breaking yeah, Bad. Uh, thank you. Yes, okay. Uh, he was interviewed, uh, like, I think he was interviewed in March, basically saying, like, uh, you know, I, I've heard rumors of there being, like, a film, and but you know, I, you know, I don't know anything. It's not like anyone's come to me about it. And he was saying that at the time that they were finishing the filming of it. So it was like I think I think Gilligan had gone to him and said, "Say this, <laughs> just just throw this out there," because it seemed to me like that's something that he would have done. Just being like, I, "I'm just going to kind of raise the middle finger to everyone here," just be like, "Ha ha, we've already done it." Um, as long as we get it, whatever means he takes to get it done. 
Yeah. Uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll watch another 10 years of Better Call Saul, although I have a feeling we probably only have one or two left. Right. <laughs> yeah, but before you find out how he ended up in that, uh, is it a donut shop? What, what is it that he's at, at the, in the flash oh, yeah. forward? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where he is after Breaking Bad. Spoiler. But. Yeah, yes. Um, at, at this point, I'm going to assume that anyone that is still listening is yeah, uh, exactly. is, is familiar with Breaking Bad. So, so yeah, um, I I guess we'll start uh, very quickly then with uh, overall thoughts on El Camino. Like, what was your biggest takeaway from the film? Well, again, an extension of the quality of Breaking Bad. So yeah. there's no disappointments you know they make features sometimes of television shows and i kind of go like the twin peaks fire walk with me kind of lost me it it went into a whole nother world of weird whereas the tv show at least kept itself on a whodunit course you know or what happened to laura palmer and and the time i got to the film lynch just went nuts and here's a bunch of crazy stuff and i was like all right uh (laughs) and i didn't like that as much you know um but this play this takes the quality right into the next phase uh the the writing is top-notch the technical elements are great and the best thing about it is vince gilligan has always assumed his audience has patience and intelligence and he makes those same demands in this film that he did from the television show and that pays dividends if you are a fan if you decide to give the show your patience and intelligence you're duly rewarded with el camino as you were for all the seasons of breaking bad and uh I mean, that's, that's, that's to me, the, the best part of it is just no letdown. Zero. Zero. You know, it yeah. was like, this, this is perfect. It's like, and like I said, I, I ended that show and I went, well, it's over. But I, I kind of just never said, well, now what happens to Jesse Pinkman? And then when you revisit what happened to him in that final season, I mean, you forget how high the stakes were is, is in terms of his mental breakdown and mental capacity after being essentially tortured. Yeah. Uh, and so, and lastly, Aaron Paul showing the chops to be up to the up to the challenge for anything. Because when you see him being a, a high school, you know, dummy, running around doing his catchphrases, you know, like "Yeah, bitch" and all that, um, he's, he really gets to play a whole different side of someone who's really been through a lot, yeah. and you can see it weighing on him. Yet he still has to have the intelligence and smarts to get around all those who are continuing to hunt him down. Yeah. So this entertained top to bottom. I just sat on my couch going, I, more of this, please. And now we got to wait till 2020 for Better Call Saul, but I know it'll be worth the wait when we do. Yeah, I'm, I, as I was saying, I, when I watched the show and I, I saw the ending of the show and I thought, like, this is like a great ending. It kind of wraps everything up that I felt needed to be wrapped up. And then it was like, oh yeah, this film's coming out in a month, and it's about Jesse Pinkman getting away. And it's like, oh yeah, I guess, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess technically we didn't see that. We, yeah, it it felt like it ended on a Jesse's getting away note, <laughs> but yeah, knowing Breaking Bad and actually thinking about it for any length of time, it's like. Uh, not necessarily so yeah he's not just gonna walk into the sunset there's still guys out there who uh who aren't who aren't done with him yeah so see and it it was it was something that when i heard about it i was like okay 
you know, so we're going to sort of be seeing what happens next. And then they were saying, oh, you know, Mike's going to be in it. Oh, this person's going to be in it. This person's going to be in it. It's like, how? What are we doing? And then, of <laughs> course, in the traditional Breaking Bad style, it is not a fully linear film. Uh, it is, yeah, obviously you get the plot going through, but then you get a fair number of flashbacks uh, to the various things that are pertinent to the current situation, including, I thought, adding so much more to a character that was was bad and evil, but, like, really fleshing him out. And Todd? Me- yes, Todd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, there was something, like, obviously... Is kind of jumping into it if you haven't seen it, but if you haven't seen it, why have you made it this far? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the the moment in the film, which is possibly the the best single moment in it, just in terms of like character, is when you see Todd driving along and he's like singing, whistling to himself. He's enjoying it, uh, and then you realise that Jesse isn't beside him anymore. He's in the back wrapped up next to a corpse like and and yet this guy is just he's having a grand old time he's just driving along everything's fine it's like this guy's a complete psychopath todd was a sicko <laughs> yeah no question and, and and they i don't think they knew what a good actor they had well i'm sure they probably thought jesse plemons was great but i think since breaking bad we've seen uh how many great roles he's taken on so getting him to go back and play in that world is is great because he's Totally up to the task of whatever they want to do with this character. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, obviously, uh, people uh, yeah. people might also know him from uh, Black Mirror, and definitely one of my favorite uh, things in that is when he was uh, Captain Robert Daly in that, and it was um, kind of the same same kind of thing. Where it's at least in that, it's someone who is kind of living his desire to be able to control people like this is someone that can and does and just and he does it entirely nonchalantly and the fact that he was able to get that across was uh beautiful icing on the cake because mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah and i i felt there were so many as you said there were so many things that rewarded people that knew the show well enough and things like that so obviously there's a news report where you hear that, and again, spoiler, Walt is definitely dead. Like he he was found dead at the scene. Uh, but you also hear that there is a woman who is critically poisoned and in hospital. And uh, I I don't remember if they say that uh, they don't they don't know if they're going to make it or not. In the same, but yeah, like that one of Walt's last acts was to poison. Uh, Lydia with Ryson. So yep. the stevia, right? Uh, yep. Yeah, it's, it's so many just little things that are, that are there and and then of course you've got Skinny Pete and Badger. <laughs> well, Skinny Pete, yeah, you saw him in the trailer, so it's not too much a surprise that he showed up, but it was fun to see Skinny Pete and Badger kind of take over the first half hour of that movie. Uh, they were as weird and fun as they always were. Their introductory scene with they're playing a video game, I think, and just the dialogue is typically stupid from those two. And uh, you know, and then they play a big role in Jesse's first attempt to 
escape those yeah. who keep pursuing him. And that movie, man, it just from one suspenseful scene to another is he's got to piece together what to do next to, to break free of this uh, whole his whole past. Uh, and it's just so good. Yeah, and it, it was one of the things where somehow the tension did just keep rising. And it's like, it really went every single time there was a point where it felt like Jesse was close to getting out properly and actually being able to make it like the right thing or yes the wrong thing would happen and it would ratchet up that tension just a little bit more and and oddly the end of the film i felt it didn't necessarily give you a big all that tension's gone moment uh, i mean obviously there was the shootout at the end but i didn't feel like that was uh, like your stereotypical you know, big cathartic ending but even with the ending being as slow as it was it was like just a, that that slowness and that lovely scene at the end was sort of the slow release that the whole film needed and it was uh, like again it was perfectly paced this film I think it was just uh, so well done I genuinely wish I had the ability to do that stuff as well as some of these people do. Yeah, yeah, making me want to watch the film again. See, the Breaking Bad, <laughs> the thing that Gilligan wisely did was take this sprawling crime drama and bring it back to Jesse and Walt. And he knows that's what the whole show is about. And what in Walt's last moments can he do for Jesse? Or does he want to do anything for Jesse? Has he really gone so far that he's left Jesse behind entirely? You know, And so you get that satisfaction in the final scene. And then... Yeah, and then just, what about Jesse? And I hadn't thought about it at all. And now when you see it, you're like, I do want something for him. And when you see uh, the final shots of El Camino, you just get so gratified as to as to how his story ended up playing out. Now, I, I will ask, what, what was for you the most surprising cameo, I'll say? Um, in it? I mean, obviously, they're not... Most of them aren't cameos; they're actual full characters that are in it for long periods of time. But in terms of the characters from Breaking Bad that make returns, like what was the most surprising one for you? Well, I think you said Mike, right? Because we're all like, "Well, Mike's dead, so yeah. what is Mike <laughs> doing here?" Uh, and then, to, of course, he has an early scene that sets up, I think, where the whole movie ends up going, and uh, that was. That was cool, and he's so great on Better Call Saul too. I just watch anything with Jonathan Banks in it nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that man. It, I think definitely a fan favorite character in Breaking Bad, and it, it was nice that he got to come back, kind of for Better Call Saul. <laughs> but you know, that's, there's Gilligan just making the right choice again. When you think about, oh, what's Mike going to come back and do? Is he going to kick a guy's ass? Is he going? Are we going to see him? Like, it's just a simple scene by the water. They're talking about the life and their fate and can they control it and how, you know, what do they want to do? And it's just so much more elegant than a mishandling of those characters. Like, oh, we haven't seen these characters in a while. We got to have a drug bust and all this crazy stuff, you know. Instead, it was just all so uh, tampered down to just what we need and not overdoing it, you know, like a lot of major films do. Gilligan, again, just has that touch to do it right. Yeah, and you know, if you really think about Mike as a character, I mean, 
yeah, he's sort of the fixer. He's the guy that gets things done, but he doesn't want to have to do that. He like definitely the type of person he'll sit and talk to you about anything for ages. He'll have these discussions with you, and it's like when making a film like this, as you say, the stereotype of what is Hollywood going to do is he would come back and he would be, you know, John Wick light as he kind mm-hmm. of is. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but no, they actually went with like, you know, if we're going to have this guy come back, what's it going to be? And it's obviously Jesse thinking back to just a solemn moment where he was thinking of what, what to do now. Like if you're out, what do you do? And of course, Mike is the one that gave him the idea because he would. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's a sad moment too, because Mike didn't get that moment for himself. Yeah, but very much now. But uh, for me, the most surprising uh, cameo was uh, Kristen Ritter as Jane. Like, oh, um, right. I, I right. did not yeah. see that coming. Also sad, you know, to see them happy together. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, I, I read something a few days ago that actually pointed out that, the again, the brilliance of this film is that the last flashback that we get in this film is not Jesse and Walt, it's Jesse and Jane. Mm-hmm. And it's just like Jesse kind of being able to sink into, oh, like this is what it could have been, this is what it can be, like getting out and being quote unquote happy. Like, so it's it, yeah, beautifully done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I never forgot. That is a very, that's a very emotional scene uh, in context. You know, they're not being that emotional in the scene but when you just see a, a, a happy jesse pinkman moment and you wonder how and you forget how rare they were and of course how that one turned out yeah it's uh yeah again man just that freaking vince gilligan man that guy <laughs> telling you it's crazy <laughs> just so i mean i have an Ill, i have an inability to be unimpressed by that guy yeah <laughs> um so, so do you have any uh like standout moments from the film that uh, that really like stuck with you, or that you were just uh, sort of in awe at when you saw it. Well, it was great to see Robert Forrester again because probably one of his last performances, right? Yeah, uh, but so. to me, it's two suspenseful moments because it, it just <laughs> the heels get dug in so intensely between the, the scene where he was retrieving the money from Todd's apartment and the cops show up, the the cops, you know, yeah. quote unquote, and then of course the when he goes to the welding company to get the money to to pay robert forrester i mean and that becomes a whole like nothing's easy i loved uh, i noticed you did a, i gotta go listen to your review of endgame here that, that you pinned to the top of your your twitter page because what i love about endgame is at the end of infinity war they look at the mess of half the avengers and half the world and half the universe gone and so a lot of people probably said to themselves, well, they get the time stone and they, uh, they make it all right, right? So they've got to go to Thanos, get the time stone and fix everything. But what the writers brilliantly did was at the beginning of Endgame, they made it completely hard for themselves by having Thanos destroy all the stones. So then it's suddenly like it's not an easy course. And that's what El Camino does. You know, it's like, well, Jesse, he's running away. What does he do? Does he get so far out of town that he's – no, he's, there's little challenges that he has to meet uh, that then become complicated. You know, he's just got to get the money. Piece of cake, right? No, because there's that crazy pesky guy watering the plants down the hall, you know, and then they get the cops show up. But are they really cops? And then there's a whole thing with that. And then he can't find the money. And then it's like, you know, they just, he takes the little minuscule hurdle that Jesse's got to jump and expands it into something really exciting. And the same with the welding thing. I mean, Jesse walks in there 
calm demeanor. And you're like, what is what is his plan here? And uh, of course, then it gets more and more complicated by a bunch of freaking high and drunk, uh, you know, chowderheads. And uh, yeah, those two scenes I thought were vintage taking a scene that could be easy, complicating it, and writing your way out of it with uh, it, with the most deft style you could imagine. Yeah, and I I would say my I could tell you my favorite shot from the film and it's actually it's in a scene that you mentioned is when he goes to the apartment to find the money and he again fantastic pacing because you don't even think about it when you're watching it so like he tears that place apart he can't find anything and then he, he opens the fridge and he realizes there's something and he pulls it open and the second he does that is when people turn up so he has to hide <laughs> and then the shot of him where he's hidden in darkness in, in the dark see is the barrel the of the gun. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a great shot. Yeah, probably my favorite like shot as in like still image from the film. I think is that because it's a, a beautiful shot. Uh, but uh, and yeah, as I said before, just Todd just singing along in his car and, and that the whole just like what does it take for someone to be carrying a prisoner and a corpse that of someone that you kill wrapped up in your carpet from your apartment and just to be like la 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 I'm just singing along <laughs> it's just uh, it's amazing but uh, but and it's not cartoonish though no not at you all you know and it's not glib like there's, there's Todd is uh, he's scary yeah you know? and he has to be or else you lose all tension of the like the entire middle part of that movie yeah, and uh, um, there was something that I didn't actually fully realize until I I went back and had another look at it. Uh, the scene where Jesse goes to the the people that took uh, two thirds of the money and it's just trying to get it back, and they end up having a you know, <laughs> a Wild West showdown mm-hmm. draw. Yeah. I I did not realize that Jesse shoots him with the other gun. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's that was the deal. Yeah, because they, they, they specifically. I mean, this is Gilligan again being very deliberate. You see the the him pull not the one but this two guns out of his dad's safe. Which, by the way, I'm glad he didn't go back to their place and steal the money. I'm glad he went yeah. back to get the guns to get the money from the other guys. Like it just shows even a little bit of. Like, I mean, they may not have had the money there that he needed, but the story just guiding itself where Jesse doesn't go rip off his parents, <clears throat> but he gets what he needs to go get the money from the guys he should get the money from. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, clearly when he pulls out the two guns, you know, there's there's an option there for that. And uh, it's just, again, it's just great writing. Yeah. And, it's, it, it's so and direction. Cool. And direction, I should say. Writing and direction. <laughs> oh, yeah. Top notch. Yeah, and it, that was something that I was wondering when he went in and went to the safe and it's like, like what is he after? Because you know, we know that we know he needs the money and we know that it's just such a small amount and we know that, uh, like, yeah, especially uh, having rewatched season one now, like I know that his family has some money lying around and they were willing to, to use it to help him out. But 
it was like, oh, it's like, yeah, is he gonna take from it? And then he just pulls out the gun, closes the safe gun, and it's like, wow, yeah, he has, like, he's grown enough now that, yeah, he's specifically tricking his parents to get him out of the way so that they're not implicated in the slightest in all of this. Like, you know, it's, it's something yeah. where he's able to get them out of the way. He doesn't take from them, really. Like, you know, he takes the gun, but it's it's not something that, you know, he doesn't trash the house or anything like that. It's, it's so... the, writing, the writing isn't careless, and the characters aren't careless. Now, there's yeah. a specificity in the actions of everybody in the Breaking Bad universe that is just, that reaps huge rewards. But it was just, I mean, it's odd given what the film's about, but it was just so nice to sit down and just be kind of washed over by that universe again and the <clears throat> the style the the look of it they it, they they perfectly captured the feel of the TV show um, you know obviously you know, in full high def uh for everything it's uh, uh I will say watching the the TV show again through Netflix there are some scenes where it's like okay that's clearly yeah, proper in studio, and then oh, that was an outside shot on the uh, yeah, maybe the second unit cameras or something where it's got like mm-hmm. this to it. Uh, but uh, but yeah, there's there's a very very definite aesthetic and feel to the show, and El Camino definitely recaptures that and just sends you on quite a roller coaster of a ride. And and yeah, I. I actually kind of enjoyed as well that uh, Vince Gilligan had for the longest time completely ignored or redirected any time anyone had ever asked him what Walt's ultimate uh, fate was until shortly before this film came out when uh, he had an interview with someone and they asked him again and they said, you know, is Walt dead? Yeah, did he die? And his response was, you know what, I'll give this to you. He looks pretty dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> and and then of course, you know, in case you really needed it, they did have that news report and and you know, I'll I'll kinda give it to him as well. I would not have been surprised if somehow Walter White had done some science thing and had figured out a way of faking his death at the end of it. I'm so, so glad they didn't do it. But, <laughs> but you know, it was an avenue that I feel as though they could have done if Vince Gilligan wasn't like this dedicated to the universe, the characters, and to his vision for everything that happened. So It's a tragedy. You know, in the end of uh, Hamlet, Hamlet doesn't ride off into the sunset. You know, it's... <laughs> Although his is more tragic for him but i guess i should refer more to characters who act in uh ways that are dangerous perhaps despicable um (laughs) it is often a tragic ending and he didn't shy away from that wisely yeah i mean yeah there's so much in the show that is like it's it is just a a full-on tragedy and often it's a tragedy of their own making. I mean, mostly waltz, but uh, you know, there, there are many things that happen. It's like if they hadn't made the choices they had, like people would still be alive. Things would not have happened. Um, yeah, two planes would not have collided in the air if 
Warren mm-hmm. had, had not come to Jesse in episode one and said, do you want to cook? So, yeah, it's, it's amazing, the whole world. And uh, I, as we've been saying, I'm so glad that we got just another, you know, dip in the toe back in just with this and just getting a story that you didn't realize you wanted and was just so... I, I was about to say so surprised by it, but I'm not surprised that they did it well because, you know, they had Skilligan doing it all again. I'll tell you what I was uh, surprised by, that this didn't come out in AMC. I'm shocked that (laughs) AMC, uh, I mean, I guess Vince Gilligan must have that much control over his own content that he could even choose after the run on on AMC of their show and his current show. He was able to say, I want to release this on Netflix. You know, which is clearly where a lot of people saw Breaking Bad for the first time. But you think that would make even more a reason for AMC to be like, no, let's now that everyone loves it, let's bring them back to us. You know, but uh, it. So I don't know who made the call there to, that it came out on Netflix, but um, and there yeah. is going to be an airing on AMC. They just haven't arranged the date oh, for it yet. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, Netflix is weird because I, I, I still have a problem with them. Uh, in that, you know, I love going to movies in the theater. I love the larger than life, the overwhelming experience. I don't like at any moment someone knocks at my door or the phone rings or whatever. Uh, if things happen to card pulls up in my driveway and shines its lights. And, but, you know, there's a, a hundred things that could happen to distract me watching the movie, whereas the movie needs my and everyone's full attention, if it's a good movie, to work its magic, you know, uh, audibly and visually. But, uh, and so... Watching movies at home is is tough for me, but Netflix is greenlighting a lot of things that the major cinemas, the, the major studios aren't. You know, that, that's what's always been weird to me. It's like people will watch House of Cards at home, but if you put House of Cards in the movie theater, no one's going to that. You know, it's going to be like an awards movie that maybe makes eight million dollars. You know, in a, in some story of political intrigue. You know, that's like the cinema's solely. Avengers and Star Wars, uh, now, you know, and and something that people think will be the next one of those. Um, you know, and Netflix. And the other problem I have is they don't hype their movies enough. Like this one got some hype a little bit. The Irishman just had a premiere, which I was excited about because most of the time you're just kind of flipping through TV and there's the movie. What is this? And the little thumbnail is like a title and a face, and I'm like, well, how am I supposed to even know what the hell that is? Why would I? You know, whereas like I think everybody knows that. Frozen Two is coming out. There's billboards everywhere. There's there's the stars are going out and there's new there's hype. There's a premiere. There's a you know Netflix doesn't give me that and so I I tend to have trouble getting excited about their movies unless I'm already in on something like Breaking Bad. So that movie, so El Camino, lucked out in that I'm all in on Breaking Bad. So I'm all in on this movie. But I feel there might be something out there on Netflix that who the hell knows what it is? Not me. They're not telling me. So it's weird. I mean, I'm going to watch the hell out of the Irishman, and I've already seen Dolomite is my name. But um, they're putting out great stuff again that other people wouldn't greenlight. And so thank God for them for that. But I wish there was more movie studio, old school, 1980s, you know, hype. <laughs> well, but, I I feel like, you know, based on some of the things that have been going on and the fact that Netflix is you know, trying to produce all of its own content, I feel like it would be a natural progression for Netflix to become its own film like, production company, and so would would actually start making things that would 
actually release in cinemas for you know a, a wider release maybe not you know a oh, full yeah, release but uh well now this uh, marriage story and uh the irishman and the laundromat are all getting like a month in theaters before they even come on to netflix i think or, or at least a couple of weeks um <coughs> which surprised me i was shocked to see that that they were doing that because i think i think they just want an oscar you know they want to get an oscar and like rub it in hollywood's face they had a great shot with Roma. I think they got another great shot with the Irishman, and they're going to just keep going down that road until. I mean, has has, has an actor from a Netflix movie won a, anything yet? I don't think so. Um, Roma won Best Foreign Film, so that's an Oscar, right? It did. I think I think it won Best Foreign Language Film. So they have an Oscar, but they want Best Picture, and I could tell <laughs> Sarandos wants it. He's like, and we're going to just keep making, bringing in the bigger names and the higher talent. Until we get it, um, yeah. I don't know. I, if El, you know, has the uh, the cachet to pull that off because it's basically an extension of a television show. But I, uh, I think the Irishman is their bid this year. Yeah. Well, I, I remember last year there was the the whole thing about should Netflix film be allowed in, and they were saying, well, technically, the ruling states that it has to air in it. I can't remember the specific rule, but it was something like it has to air in like ninety, at least ninety-five percent of cinemas across the country to be allowed in, because it has to be a wide release film. So technically, El Camino could not be put forward for it because it was just a limited release. Um, I'm gonna, and... I'm gonna push back on that a little. I don't know the exact thing, uh, but I don't think it needs to play that wide a release. I think you can just do New York and LA, but it's got to be for like a week. I think that's it. Was it, was it the time? Okay. Well, I mean, I'm, yeah, I could be wrong. Again, I was just uh, tr- trying to remember something that I read almost a year ago at this point. So, so yeah, I am probably wrong. And uh, you would, I, I think you would be slightly uh, more likely to get that right. Than, than well, here myself. we go. Uh, this, this is from the internet. If you believe the internet, got to be feature length, uh, minimum time 40 minutes. Um, uh, it's got to run in L.A. for a week. It's got to land in the year before the Oscar ceremony. That makes sense. Right, yeah. And it must not broadcast in non-theatrical format before releasing in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So that sort of uh, – that's why I guess they're putting them out for two, three weeks before they hit Netflix. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, it may release in other theaters before releasing in L.A., but not – at home viewing, I guess. Uh, there's additional flexibility for foreign films. Festival releases are okay. You can play festivals, but then when you have your official opening, that's why, like, you know, you and I can make a movie and we could be qualifying for an Oscar. So don't always believe everybody who tells you, gotta see this movie, it's Oscar qualifying. Well, it just means they play, they rented a theater for a week and they played it here in LA. Doesn't necessarily mean it's of any, uh, you know, standard, uh, standard of quality. Yeah. Um, there are technical, there are technical requirements as well. Uh, they have specifics for who's credited as producer right. and, uh, that's it. So, but, um, yeah. So I think just play for a week in LA. You're good. Okay. All right. So there you go. I, I think I would probably merging together two different articles that I was reading for that one and say, yeah, it's, um, that would, that would definitely make what Netflix was doing with some of those make a lot more sense now then. says, so, yeah, like, you know, why would you bring it up to, aha, there we go. <laughs> they, they are going for that Oscar with, uh, I think so, man. Members. I think they want it, <laughs> especially now that Weinstein's out of the way, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. 
they they've got they've got a a gap they can fill with their stuff. Uh, yeah, they they got a real shot now. So. Well, you know these these streaming services have taken over the Emmys pretty much. Yeah, well, and you know, Oscars as we all know now, you know that Marvel films are not real films, according to some filmmakers. So, yeah. Uh, that uh, come yeah. on. Now, listen, I love Martin Scorsese. He's a genius, but dude, you can't call a movie anti-cinematic while you're putting out your film on Netflix. <laughs> it's dumb yeah. i mean you just counter contradicted yourself you know by putting a movie out on tv well, that's 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 not cinematic at least avengers opened 4000 cinemas you know across the country yeah and, uh, and, and of course you go for days on the the merits of the marvel cinematic universe and how much yeah. drama there actually is in it <laughs> and uh, smart choices and filmmaking expertise and everything as well yeah. you know i think my friend uh ray ray scalacci he writes for the movie guys.net my website and he said marty's just angry because he came up in the ranks in the 70s with um brian de palma and francis ford coppola who's already chimed in on this as well um because their buddies george lucas and steven spielberg went off and made a gazillion dollars <laughs> and the other guys didn't he's still angry about it but that may or may not be true. It's a good theory, but either way, uh, let 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 uh, let people make their movie. You know, it, yeah. it could well, could say it sucks, but you can't discredit its presence. I don't think. Yeah. Well, and and you know, there is also the the fact that it you know, it's kind of a stereotypical joke, but it it is the old guys being annoyed at the new yeah. style. Like it's... that never looks good, right? Yeah. <laughs> It just yeah, looks yeah. bad as a as a look. Yeah, you know, yeah. This isn't how we did things in my day. Oh yeah, back when you were trudging uphill both ways to film a scene. This yeah, is school is that what's happening? <laughs> is that what's happening at, at USC Coppola when you were in Southern California? You were fine. Yeah, was it snowing for eight months out of the year as well, and you had to forge through? Like, you know, it just yeah, it, it kind of sad. But uh, I guess but, I'm not totally surprised that. Uh, at least one big director came out and said something against it just because of how big it was. But yeah, whatever. And and the worst part is, I hear The Irishman is a flat out masterpiece, and I hope we can get on to talking about that as opposed <laughs> to all this other nonsense. You know, as soon as, as soon as more eyeballs get on it. Well, I'll tell you what. Once it's um, yeah, I'm probably not going to get the chance to see it in cinema myself. But once it gets on Netflix, I'll happily have you come back and we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, out here in LA, I do hope to see it on the big screen. I had a shot last Friday, and I couldn't make it. Uh, although it's having a limited run, I think, for one more week or so. Yeah. Well, good, good luck there, then. <laughs> yeah, I would uh, like to. They show the El Camino out here at the uh, the what the theater in Los Feliz. Um, uh, I can't. Why? Why don't? Why am I not remembering what the name of the cinema is? Anyway, they showed it out here. I would love to have seen it there, but I just never got the shot. So checked it yeah, out. That, Looks that, yeah, that would have been that would have been nice to see this up on the big screen. I think. Yeah, because he spares no expense for the the quality, or at least I don't know if it's expensive, but he spares no creative expense at yeah. making you look good. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I was gonna say, yeah, you know, obviously we uh, we tangented a little bit there, but I, I was gonna say, um, yeah, I plan to say well. What are your, like final thoughts on the film itself? But I think we pretty much uh, said, <laughs> have said the same thing throughout this, which is just, uh, just yeah, amazing direction, amazing writing, just 
um, amazingly acted by pretty much everyone in this thing. I mean, it's just uh, stunning to see. And if you were at all a fan of Breaking Bad, like you just have to watch it. It's just awesome. And I hope it bridges viewers to watch Better Call Saul, best show on television. Yeah. (laughs) This episode sponsored by Better Call Saul. (laughs) (laughs) You wish. (laughs) Yes, yes, I do. Wouldn't that be nice? On the movie, guys, uh, we used to to sponsor, you know, we used to pretend to be sponsored by places just so they pay us to stop saying they sponsored us. You know, (laughs) Planters Peanuts. When you want to lure a small child into the back of a van, nothing's better than Planters Peanuts. (laughs) I'm sorry. You want to pay us to stop saying that? It never worked. Never worked. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, just yeah. Planters Peanuts. The poor man's recent pieces. (laughs) Right. Hey, stop saying that. Ooh, for how much? I I really do like that as, <laughs> as hey, the as theater I'm thinking of the theater I'm thinking of here in LA was the Vista Theater. It's one of the a super nice one screen theater here in oh. LA. Uh they've moved on to Jojo Rabbit now, but they had El Camino I think there for a week. Uh, I wish I could have made it out. Uh, yeah, and it's third season, so uh out here that means they'll have industry screenings all the time. One nighters, they bring out the cast and crew and, and you know, for Q and A's and things like that. Uh, when I saw Uncut Gems, that Sandler film, he was there with the Safdie brothers. And so tis the season for those kind of screenings all up and downtown. So hopefully I'll get out to see El Camino sometime on the big screen. But in the meantime, yeah, can't recommend it enough for those sitting around the house watching, looking for something good. You will not be disappointed. In fact, you'll be damn impressed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and yeah, let's, let's say that uh, you were considering going out to see a film. So you gotta drive out there, park, get get the tickets, maybe get something to eat if that's your thing, sit down, watch it, get back out to your car, drive home, all of that. Instead, you could watch uh, the last episode of Breaking Bad and this in a row, and you would still be saving time. So I say just do that. <laughs> yeah, it's always tough to, for me to say something against the glory of a movie theater. Yeah, but El Camino is that good. But, uh, you know, go out and see uh, something else in the theater to sort of offset that. You know, you've got to keep both alive, in my opinion. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, yeah. What, tell you what, watch this on uh, Friday night, and then on Saturday go see Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. yeah. Joker. Two ends, two ends yeah. of the spectrum there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, um, unless you had anything else that you specifically wanted to say, um I, mean, I think I, I've recommended it enough. <laughs> I've been repeating myself. I, I would because it's just worth uh, heaping praise on, man. That, that, uh, Vince Gilligan, now, when I, if, if, if uh, Better Call Saul wraps up, I sure hope he gets into to films because he's got the chops. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, uh, and I know that Alan Paul had had a few things here and there outside of Breaking Bad and uh, you know, most notably, probably the Need for Speed film, which I have not seen, um, but I I know was kind of received as meh. But uh, yeah, yeah, pretty I, much. I hope, uh, I, and I don't uh, watch this, but apparently he's on Westworld now. Oh, okay. But I've never seen it. But uh, I think he's showing up on that for either the upcoming season or he's already on there. One of the I, other. <laughs> I believe he's currently filming the season three. So yeah, that, I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yes, I, 
I would say the, the one thing I think we didn't do enough of is just kind of sing his praises because, uh, you know, we touched on it, but yeah, he he is obviously the driving force of this film and he knocks it out of the park. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the, the man is awesome. <laughs> just, uh... Yeah, and a lot is asked of him too. I mean, his character has been through hell and it's it's there on his face and in his actions and you, you believe it. You know, that's yeah. all I ask for. You can tell when an actor... Is phoning in, and uh, he's you. You buy him, yeah. and and it's funny in that flashback with Walt, you get to see the old Jesse, you know, dude, bro, reading, and he's like at the buffet, and he's totally just, and you see how much he's changed, and uh, it's a worthwhile, it's worthwhile to notice not just how Vince expanded and grew that character, but how Aaron Paul was up to the task every step of the way. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, it, again, just having watched the first season, uh, just like. Season one, Jesse is just so different. It's, it's amazing how much he ends up changing, and uh, I'm I'm getting close to his first major change and first major reason for everything that happened. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for coming on and talking about El Camino and a whole bunch of other things as well. <laughs> My pleasure. It's earlier here for me than it is for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, uh, why don't uh, you let people know if they wish to get a hold of you in any way, shape, or form, how should they do that? Sure. You can go to themovieguys.net or uh, follow at themovieguys or pretty much everywhere there's social media. We're always throwing up uh, jokes and links and, and uh, you know all sorts of other news and things up there. Uh, that's at the movie guys, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, pretty updated. I don't have a three-year-old. I have a dog, so I think <laughs> most everything would be up to date. On there. <laughs> uh, well, well, good. Yes, um, yes. I, I'm assuming that uh, it, it is not just your hobby. You're a little bit more invested in being able to yeah, take your time on it. I was telling you before the. Uh, the show that I'm also co-producing a podcast called D23 Inside Disney. If you know D23 mm-hmm. is the uh, fan club for Walt Disney Company, and D23 Inside Disney is the fan club's podcast to let everybody know what's going on each week in this massive and sprawling company that will expand even more with Disney Plus just around the corner. Yeah. So uh, there's the new show every week, to, and then an interviews with people from all parts of the company. We've talked to, you know, an attractions lead at Galaxy's Edge right on through Ali Maki, who voiced Giggle McDimples in Toy Story 4. So there's uh, a lot going on in that in, in the company, and we keep you up to date with a 25-minute show every week. I co-produce that. There's three good hosts, and so, yeah, I'm all, always podcasting. If not at the movie, guys, are here with you. I'm doing that, so uh, I love it. It's fun, and uh, not going to stop. Yeah, yeah. Why, why would anyone ever stop? <laughs> right? You love it. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, as I said, thank you very much for coming on once again. And um, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have you back to talk about The Irishman, if not uh, <laughs> an- anything else that you want to talk about. So. Right. You keep putting out those feelers, and if I see something that interests me, I'll bite. Thanks, man. Sure, no problem. All right. And uh, as I said at the beginning, for those of you that... Uh, Wish to get a hold of us? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You you know where to find us. Uh, uh, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. In case I don't see you.
Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.